This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fastbreak Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Miller. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And this week, we are ranking the starting NBA point guards for the 2017-2018 and so season. so it begins. Yes. So, so it begins. finally we get back to the, the absolute madness that is calling us idiots because we've ranked your point guard lower than you think. Yes. So we will get into this. We're going to do point guards, shooting guards, small forwards, por- uh, power forwards, I'll say point forwards, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, centers, coaches, and six men. And then we're going to take all of those, put them in one, and give you team rankings from that. We did it last year. Um, like Dave said, there was a lot of kickback because uh, we used Real GM and Real GM didn't have the update depth chart. We oh. went away from Real GM. We got Got it going. We we think we got the right point guards uh, for this. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We're gonna be splitting these up into three segments. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, thank you so much for downloading us. You're gonna get the whole thing uh, in its entirety. So let's jump in, boys. 30 through 21. Let's kick it off. Coming in at 30, we got Frank of the New York Knicks. Not gonna uh, try to say the last name, are you? No, Frank Nikolaine. <laughs> that was not bad. You just say it quick enough, nobody will question it. Yeah. So I'll just say I'll just say Frank. Yep. Uh, I I I. I I, I listened to so many videos of him saying his last name. And you still to, can't say it. Of like, announcers pronouncing his name. I can't get it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29, we got Chris Dunn of the Chicago Bulls. 28, we got Tony Parker. We'll, we'll, we'll explain why yeah. these rankings are um, in just a little bit. We're just running through it. Uh, 28, Tony Parker. 27, Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets. We got 26, Darren Callison's of now the Indiana Pacers. Uh, 25, we got Reggie Jackson of the Detroit Pistons. Uh, 24, we got Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks. 23, we got Alfred Payton of the Orlando Magic. 22, we got Ricky Rubio of now the Utah Jazz. And 21, rounding out this segment, we got Pat Bev now of the Los Angeles Clippers. So jumping in out of this, boys, who's the biggest surprise? Um, Like, who's really low? Who's really high? Anything here? I think the guy we have to start with is, from last year to this year, our biggest faller, of Reggie Jackson, who fell 14 spots from last year to this year. Oh, man. To he was fair, 14 like, spots. He was 11 last year. So let's yeah. put that. He was 11. Um, some of that ranking was because of the crazy uh, playoff run that the, the, the Pistons did have. You know, four close yeah. games against the... The Cavaliers, and you we looked like they were the same. They looked like they were a young and up and coming team. <laughs> I had them in the playoffs, and I had them as a top five team in the Eastern Conference. And he just lost his ability to create. Yeah, I mean, completely. Like, he he had a terrible year. I mean, he went from almost nineteen points game down to fourteen. He clearly he played only fifty two games this past year. Uh, he shooting, started he off got worse. Injured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like across the board, it just went down for him. And that was a guy where. Up to that point, like he'd been going up the last three seasons, where up, 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 and it looked like he's in his own. Like we know he's a little bit of a selfish player, but that's fine. We can work with that in the NBA. That's point guards. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But then just like all of a sudden, this Detroit team, like it was like this isn't working, and we're watching it happen over the season. It's like oh, this is getting worse. Oh, this is going really bad. Yeah, I gotta was, look away. And it was something too. <laughs> I gotta look away. The offense just didn't flow well. No, and, and, and you know you can look at the, all the stats, and the stats won't tell the the exact story because you look at it. He took less shots. Yes, he played less minutes. Um, he 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 did have a decline in in uh, assists, but a downcline, a, a downcline, a, down a decline um, in assists, going from six point two to five point two. But then again, he had less minutes. And then you also look at the turnovers. Again, you know. 2.8 going down to 2.2. You look at the numbers and you just say, oh, well, he played less minutes. So that's why you, you see mm-hmm. uh, you know his numbers declining. But you look at the way that the Pistons performed when he was leading this offense, and they just looked like a completely different team. And they, they didn't look 
right out there. And that's why there was trade rumors for Ricky Rubio possibly going to Detroit. And then, you know, people were looking to ship Reggie Jackson out there because the chemistry just wasn't there between the whole team. Stan Van really didn't have his magic and Reggie Jackson fell. And, and you know, not saying that he doesn't have any promise. Again, he's still 27 years old. We've seen the promise uh, before in Reggie, but right now he sits at 25 and it's just because of his selfish play, his really lack of ability to create. And I, I mean, yeah. there's not really, there's there's definitely hope for him, but I, I don't know really what we're going to expect. No, I mean, I feel like he's like one more season away from becoming a six man in my mind. Really? Like that's, that's the role I can see him falling to. It's just at, at this point in the NBA, like the six man as a generalization of the role it, is a score. It's a spark mm-hmm. plug off the bench. It's somebody to get your offense going. And usually it's not someone who's a full-time creator. It's not someone who can run the offense for an entire game. And that's exactly what I see with Reggie. Well, and that was the place that he wanted to leave. He wanted to leave OKC because he was a six-man backing up Russ Westbrook. Exactly. Obviously, you know, he's not getting past that stonewall. So then, you know, now he goes to Detroit. Had a really nice season, I'm, and this I'm, season just fell off. I'm taking it into injury, though, because, I mean, you what you just said, he had to play with Russell Westbrook with being the backup point guard behind Russ. Probably isn't the easiest job if that's a job that you want someday in the NBA. And, I mean, besides for last season, 17.6, 18.8 were the averages, and we just saw lower numbers this year. I'm looking at it more so of he was injured. Let's see how this one goes and how bad his numbers were with the injury. If you look at his per for last year, he was ranked out of all the point guards. He was ranked at 27. And then if you look at his value added to a team, which is – how much value do you add over a guy who would be the 12th man on your roster? Mm-hmm. He was 29th of all the point guards, and that was all starters and backup point guards for last year. Yeah, and usually looking at per, if you're around 15, that means you're an average NBA mm-hmm. player. He was a little under 15, uh, .06 under 15. Yeah. So he was an average player last year. He was nothing special. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with point he guards. He almost like a net negative out there when you mm-hmm. watch them play. I think that's the biggest deterrent. And with point guards, too, I mean, there's so many great ones. We had we were pretty much, we, our first 16, we had locks because those guys were separating. And then after that, we were like, well, we can throw in anybody mm-hmm. really here. And, and Reggie, uh, I think it, it was kind of a, a lack of, you know, really any spark and any noise last year. I mean, I had him ranked the lowest uh, at 28 last year. Uh, out of us, um, Ricky had him ranked the highest at 21. Well, Dave kind mean, of in the middle at 24. But uh, then again, I mean, I just didn't mm-hmm. see. He doesn't do that much defensively for you. He he really you know slowed down the offense for Detroit. And again, this is a young team that should have had a lot of promise. And I feel like Reggie was yeah, they a, went a from, one big reason why they they really slowed down. I absolutely agree because they went from a team like you said that great playoff performance. You know, yes, they didn't win, but they showed that they were on the right path. And into this season, now it's questioning. Well, we've heard Andre Drummond talks in trades. We've heard Reggie talks in trades. Like, and KCP just left. So, like, they went from a promising, mm-hmm. up and coming young team to, like, what are we doing? It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Detroit Pistons. And before we get into the, the new arrivals here, mm-hmm. we got, I think we got four in this segment. Uh, I want to jump to one guy, and it's Tony Parker. He fell four spots here. And I, I know some people will be like, you got to give him respect. The he, sponge? He looked, he the looked, sponge is getting worn out? No, no Manu's that, Manu. bar is I, I see both of them in the pop system Any. where he's going <laughs> to use Tony Parker like a sponge, too. Well, Tony Parker, a guy that, you know, he, he played well in the playoffs. He played well throughout the season. But you look at the injury that happened, that was one mm-hmm. reason why I could completely tanked in my rankings. I had him uh, coming in a little bit above uh, Reggie Jackson, coming in at 27. Dave had him at 27. Ricky had him at 28, so still around there. That injury, it just looked bad with his age. I don't yeah. know how he's going to be able to come back. And especially like for a guy who's known for his uh, ability to get to the hole with... Uh, I don't, don't want to like overly whatever, but like the Euro step was him. Like He mm-hmm. was one of the biggest guys contributing that to the game, and his impact on the court, his smoothness with ball handling, like 
all of that scares me now because now I'm like, dude, you're in your late 30s. 35-year-old, yeah. You're not getting younger, and you're coming off of an injury. Like, none of this adds up to a good ending for you. So I'm very concerned. I I mean, he's still one of the best leaders, so that's one of the things where it's like I want – it's intangibles is where I give him credit, and that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but what he does for that team and that organization speaks volumes. Yeah, and it's something where I think Tony Parker – he, he has a lot of respect in, in this room, I know. We, we all respect Tony Parker, but it's something. You're 35 years old, coming off this series of an injury. I don't know how much to expect from you. And, and that's something that also plays into this. What's your expectation going into the year? How much can we expect from you? I think we'll get in a little bit into that when we come to the rookies. Yeah. Uh, but none of those guys are, are here outside of Frank. So let's get to the newcomers here. Um, Frank, obviously a huge newcomer. Um, he's a guy that's very raw, though. Starting in New York, it's something that I think that's really going to slow him down. I think that's the reason mm-hmm. why we have him at 30. Well, and all the newcomers we have into these rankings Malcolm Brogdon Jamal Murray Chris Dunn and Frank they all have either one thing or one kind of common area that they all have in common when it comes to guys like Frank Jamal and Chris they all have the thing in common where really it's I know Jamal's been there for more of a year but this is the year where we're expecting Jamal to be the starting point guard for Denver but for Chris and Frank new point guard and a new scheme. Chris Dunn coming over to the Chicago Bulls where it killed me to put a Bulls point guard so low, but really I couldn't put him above anyone else. Him and Frank coming into new teams. Jamal Murray, it's like, well, they drafted you to be this, and we're hoping you can be the point guard. And then Brogdon, it's like, yeah, you were rookie of the year last year, but there were so many circumstances of how he won that, and can he contribute in that buck system yet again, and can he increase numbers, or will they be the same? Well, I think yeah. they, I don't think we're going to see a huge jump from it. I think that Malcolm Brogdon's going to stay around the same mm-hmm. way because, I mean, again, he's a guy that's 25 years old, I think now, 24, 25 years old. I mean, he was a very old rookie last year, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that really isn't going to develop too much, but the guy that we saw last year could be a very successful NBA, NBA player, a guy that's a, a great three-point shooter, a guy that's great defensively, a guy that's going to bring high energy, and he's very athletic. So it's a guy that, you know, I, I see as, a, you know, obviously he's going to be probably more of a a shooting guard mm-hmm. in the traditional sense because Giannis will be your point guard. He'll be handling the ball, but just because, you know, he is He's the smaller. He's listed at the point guard position. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're not going to put uh, Chris Middleton there. You're not mm-hmm. going to put Giannis there because Giannis is so damn big. Um, it's just something where ultimately Brogdon's going to play out there. So he's not a game-changing point guard because he's not a point guard, but he is a very quality player, and that's why he's that high. And I, and I think Brogdon's a guy that's going to be able to stay in the NBA, staying starting on us because he's exactly what you mm-hmm. want an NBA player. He's a 3 yeah. and D player. He's a guy that's going to stick around. Um, and I think that's where most of these guys are. Uh, you know, you look at Patrick Beverly, uh, Ricky Rubio, um, Darren Collison. These are guys that have been able to stick around. I mean, there's guys that aren't really making noise here um, in this 30 through 21, but these are guys that are sticking around and are still able to make consistent contributions to a team, and hence why they're on an NBA roster. And that's what I want to talk about. Is what, what's the similarity? We're, we're talking Pat Beverly, Ricky Rubio. Uh, Chris. No, I'm saying and Chris Dunn. A lot mm-hmm. of guys have, have, have switched to new teams, but they still... A lot of them are new teams, and a lot of them are defensive point guards. Mm-hmm. Guys known, not known to light the scoreboard, mm-hmm. but they're going to give it back to you on that other half of the court, and like I absolutely love Patrick Beverly, and I love what he's done for the Rockets and now going out to the Clippers team. My only concern with him is like, is he going to be their long-term answer? Probably not. He's a fantastic defensive player. He's a okay guy. But I don't know if I trust him running point for an entire game. They brought over Milos. Like that's where my money's at. But still, I, I know he's a quality player. He's he's a veteran. 
I, I look at Ricky Rubio and the dude is like just shy of a triple double like whenever he feels like it. it's just the question of you know without that three-point shot how much value do you contribute to this team so I feel like he's held back by that one skill but again it's the defense is heavy but mm-hmm. as far as point guards are concerned I feel like defense is almost like it's not valued as much as a point guard as is in other positions. Well, I think it should be though, because you had a, if you have a guy like Pat Beverly on your team and you're going up against Steph Curry, mm-hmm. then it's going to you know at least hopefully limit Steph's damage. And that's why Chris Paul, when we get to Chris Paul, that's why he's so high. That's why he's been so high is because he is that great defensively that he's able to take a guy like Steph Curry, take a guy like Russell Westbrook, and limit his damage yeah, from you just 30 think- points per game to like a 25, 24 points per game. And that's the thing. It's like it, it, it turns it from like stud to like, oh, yeah, you're still very you're good. You're an all star. But like when you think two way player, like, I'm sorry, the majority for me goes to wings. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. my default answer. Like the so. Clay Thompson kind of players. Yeah, Clay you're Thompson, the Butler, Paul forward, George, the shooting guard. All those kind of guys. So when I think point guard, it's interesting to see like a lot of the defensive mm-hmm. stoppers who are starters, like they are ranked so lowly for us. But like at the same time, it's what can they contribute to this team? And. Like, the one guy I'm looking for, Ricky mentioned, like, Chris mm-hmm. Dunn. Like, I, I'm curious to see, because we were all so high on him coming out of college, and he stumbled coming out of the blocks last year when he got mm-hmm. kind of thrown in the deep end uh, after the on- early injury. Let's be honest, though. The Th- Thibodeau kind yep. of offense and just how he does everything, right. for a rookie who's not ready for it, that's a culture shock. If mm. you're not ready for the kind of atmosphere that Coach Thibodeau goes, because he's yeah. a guy that we've always— said he'll run you dry he'll break your knees mm-hmm. if he has to well that was a lot of crap that we got was because you know we, we look back at when we were talking mm-hmm. about the trade initially uh when chris dunn came over and zach levine etc um you know when we were saying that he in in the minutes that he did get he wasn't looking good well people were like well he didn't get enough minutes um he wasn't starting he was he was pushed down and that's a lot mm-hmm. of what we hear with tibbs rookies that they don't get enough playing time right. he doesn't play as rookies he's going to trust other guys over him. So ultimately, I mean, I, I, I just look at this and I, I think that Chris Dunn, he does have a lot of potential, but he didn't show enough to be higher. Are you giving ranking. him pretty much like a pass on his rookie year at this point? Because we talked about him and Frank being like, you know, 29 and 30. So basically we're saying, you know, rookie and a guy who underperformed well, in his rookie year. Like, we've got him at the I, bottom of the barrel. I'm not expecting much from Frank because he is coming in raw. He's a guy that doesn't really have a developed shot yet. He's coming into a shit situation coming, in New York. He's coming into a shit situation. So, ultimately, I'm not expecting too much from Frank. So, mm-hmm. if I put him at 30 and he takes a 15, you know, rank jump next year, <laughs> I'm not going to be shocked. But with Chris Dunn, I think that the expectations aren't too high for him. Right. And I don't think that what we saw last year is going to change it too much. And if it does change... I see him maybe going up to like 20 or something like that. But it's mm-hmm. not going to be something too high because, remember, this is a guy that's also very old, a very old rookie. I say rookie. he came out late, yeah. I mean, you look at guys on this list, guys like, I'm pretty sure, like, I mean, uh, Brandon Knight, if he was on this list, he was on this list last year. I'm pretty sure Brandon Knight's younger than than Chris Dunn. I mean, we talk <laughs> about uh, John Wall's battery mate and uh, I'm, Bradley, well, Beal. Bradley Beal. I'm pretty sure he's younger than Chris Dunn. I, I mean, you look at yeah. these guys on this list, Frank, Frank, I think, has like five years uh, less than Chris Dunn. True. I mean, Chris Dunn is an old guy, and there's not that many expectations for him, both by his play last year and just the age that he has. So Chris Dunn, I think, is a guy that you know really needs to prove himself this year. And I even when he proves himself, I don't think he's going to be taking that much of a jump because the expectations that I had from last year are completely different than what I have from this year. So ultimately, I think that you know there are guys that can rise. I think Jamal Murray mm-hmm. being 
uh, you know, now slotted into this point guard spot. Nuggets fans are saying that, you know, he's going to have to fight for that spot, but yeah. ultimately that's who they want there, so that's why we put Jamal Murray there. Uh, but Jamal Murray, a guy that obviously we know his range, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, at least from a point guard standpoint. Can he be a guy that can move the ball mm-hmm. when Jokic is not moving the ball and isn't the primary ball handle? Because that worked phenomenally for them. I say their offense just clicked in mm-hmm. that second half of the season. And I think one thing, too, you know, you talked about the guys in common. Obviously, most of these guys have moved. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys have also had, are kind of defensive specialists. But you also kind of see these guys as you know the new era of positionless, uh, the positionless NBA because you look at Malcolm Brogdon and Jamal Murray; those guys are more suited for the two. But mm-hmm. now they're slotted over to the one because they have guys like Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo that can be yeah your primary one. ball handlers without you know playing the guard role. And I, I think it's it, we are going to guard guards, wings, and bigs. Like it's truly down to those three. And even then, like. Bigs were seen six eight six nine bigs, so yeah. like even then it's kind of questionable. Well, the- and the thing I kind of look at with most of the guys only because we talked about them were I'll throw Pat Bev, Ricky Rubio, Frank, Chris, Jamal. This is kind of like the bracket of guys where it's like, show me what you got this year. Mm-hmm. Where the new guys, it's like, show me what you got. The older guys and the guys that we had last year. That's what I mean by that. Darren Collison, show me what you can do. With Indiana, Reggie Jackson, show me what you can do coming off of injury. Ricky Rubio, show me what you can do in Utah without Gordon Hayward there because he is now in Boston. So this is more of like a bracket of point guards also in this where it's like, you know what? Show us what you can do. Show us why you should be ranked higher. And it's something, too, with Rubio that I, I ranked him lower because Hayward's not going to be there. and He's not going to mm-hmm. have a guy that's going to be able to score like he had and with Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, etc. around him to help mm-hmm. his numbers. Uh, I think Ricky Rubio is still a great player, but I don't think he's going to have enough around him to make a noise. Uh, real quick, we got two more questions for you. Uh, last year we had Marco Carter-Williams, Jared Bayless, Darren Williams, Emmanuel Moutier fall out of this list completely, mm-hmm. and Derrick Rose as well, but Derrick Rose is way higher. Yeah. Uh, looking at this, are there any guys you're looking at this list that might not be on this list next year? I think Collison is probably the well Parker because of age and injury. Mm-hmm. Like I could see him retiring. I think Collison is edging on like whether he should still be a star. I would probably look to see somebody else take over a role from a him. A youth movement taking out Collison, yeah. pretty much. And then the the other guy and I is, is Pat Bev because I like I said I think he won't be their long term solution. I think that uh, it's really weirdly Milos like I'm going for yeah. a 30 year old Euro to come in mm-hmm. and steal his job I, th- I think I agree with you I think Pat Bev um, Darren Callison uh, Tony Parker and then also I would throw in Reggie Jackson there too because if he if he, yeah, if so he's Reggie moved, can be moved to a six man or to another team yeah if he's moved completely knows? we don't know what his, what his position is going to be and those are the ones I mean Pat Bev because of Milos Tony Parker because of retirement and then I kind of want to throw Reggie Jackson out there just because of what you said where mm-hmm. it's like if he has another bad season Bump you to the six man. We're gonna find someone to replace you. Although you've got two years on your contract. That's the problem. Is that contract mm-hmm. then looks awful for two, other teams? He's got two more years after this one mm-hmm. for the Pistons. And then out of this completely, who do you think is gonna be the guy that we look back and like? Why was this guy so low? Is there any any of these guys? Because obviously Chris Dunn's there, Frank's Brogdon. there, Jamal's there. You're thinking Brogdon's too Brogdon's low? the only one for me out of the. Well, there's two guys that I could see breaking out of this group: Brogdon mm-hmm. and Murray. Uh, I've got I've got the wild card. I got the guy nobody's talked about, Alfred Payton. Like, uh, I weirdly enough think that he's he's a good mm-hmm. player. Yeah, his basketball IQ at times has been questionable. Uh, definitely won't argue that. But something for this Magic team is going to click, and I think that uh, I see the chance that he can take that step forward out of these guys in this list. I think I think Brogdon. I'm I'm in the boat with Sean on. He's probably 
Like, he's closer to his top end now than most players are who just got drafted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, great con- great contributions in your first year. I think at best you're going to add a tiny little bit on top, but well, that's that's about what we're looking at. And the thing, I mean, when Jabari comes back, he's going to be the fourth guy. Yeah, Giannis say, is he's, be there, he's a great be there, fit to the Chris system. Be there. Yeah. It's kind of like wanna, Danny Green is uh, mm-hmm. for the Spurs. You know, and what I'm saying, breakout, I'm saying like for a point guard, yep. if he can break into the, like the next group we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Of course, Brogdon's not going to be a guy who jumps into the Brogdon's top, a 10. top 10. He's not going to be a top 10 point guard, but if he can jump into the 11 to yeah. 20 range. Yeah, I, I mean, I had uh, Alfred Payton at 18. So I had mm-hmm. Alfred Payton already breaking in there. I think Alfred Payton, you look at his last month, um, uh, of the season, he was phenomenal. And I, I think if he can find more consistency in this game, the Orlando Magic can find consistency to put around him. I, I think say, them adding the right guys around him definitely helps. And then obviously the easy ones, Frank. I think Frank's definitely going to be a guy that can, He's can bust the, out he, as well. I say, he, he won't be 30. Mm-hmm. Like, no yeah. matter mm-hmm. what, when I... When we end this year, I don't think we look back. Unless he's like... The kid's 19. <laughs> he's going to move up. Uh, also, I'll throw in uh, Jamal Murray out there just because mm-hmm. this is his yeah. first time. I don't think he's going to be a point guard per se. I don't know. He might not be even in this list next year. Yeah. He might be moved over to a shooting guard or something like that um, if they move Gary Harris or whatever they do with, mm-hmm. with that. But I think Jamal Murray's going to be a guy that might float around. Uh, and, and I think that Jamal Murray, you know, we see the, 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 the potential with him. Uh, we see what he where he went uh, the prior year in uh, the 2015 draft, 2016 draft. Um, I'm forgetting my years here. I'm getting my years <laughs> messed up. But I, you know, you see the his ability to shoot, um, and I think that with his youth, I think that he's going to be able to take a big step up. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to 20 versus 11? You were right. 2016th, he was the seventh overall pick. I knew it was. I, I was. I, I keep wanting to say last year, but we just mm-hmm. had a draft. Yeah, so we did it, indeed. It, it would be the 2016 draft. But let's move on now. We're going to 20 <laughs> through 11, and uh, this is the part where we. Wanted to kill Ricky, so uh, you guys are probably talking about my boy. We're gonna talk about my uh, boy. We're gonna talk a lot of, about a lot of people's boys. Uh, so let's jump so. into it. Uh, twenty through eleven, starting off this list. Twenty, Jeremy Lin of the Brooklyn Nets. Then Markel Fultz of the Philadelphia 76ers coming in at nineteen. At seventeen, Dennis Smith Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. At sixteen, Ricky's boy Lonzo Ball. At fifteen, we have Drew Holiday of the New Orleans Pelicans. Of 14, we got Dennis Schroeder of the Atlanta Hawks. We got Jeff Teague, uh, now of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Probably not of the Minnesota Timberwolves if this Kyrie talk keeps going through. Uh, Then we got George Hill as well of the Sacramento Kings. We got Eric Bledsoe of the Phoenix Suns. And rounding out this group, we got Goran Dragic of the Miami Heat. And boys, let's jump in to the men in the lower half, the rookies, Markel Fultz, Dennis Smith Jr., and Lonzo Ball. I want to put this out there before Mm -hmm. everything. I had Markel Fultz at 17, Dennis Smith Jr. at 20, and Lonzo Ball at 25. Ricky, where'd you have Lonzo Ball? I had Lonzo Ball in the top 10. Had him at 10. Who'd you have him above? Rookie of the year. Who'd you have? Had him above Kemba. And Goran Dragic, Jeff Teague. Here's the thing. Eric it was Bledsoe, either going to be George Hill. If there was anyone that Lonzo was going to knock out in my top ten, it was going to be Kemba Walker because I look at it and Lonzo Ball to me is go- is he going to average a triple double like he did in summer league? No, no. no. However, look at Chris Dunn last he, year. He is going to be a player that I have already said when Dave and I did the podcast when you were at Pitchfork. Yep, I'm calling it. He's rookie of the year this year. He's going to be phenomenal for the Lakers. I just got all the hype in the world for this guy. Bah, and I put him in I my know. top ten. Yeah, there's put him hype in the top being, ten. You don't think you're being 
any. You, no. you don't think you're being ridiculous here? No. You don't. Not at all. You think you, at the end of the season, Lonzo Ball is going to be the tenth best point guard in the NBA? I think there's a possibility of that happening. <laughs> you, no. Do you think it's going to happen? Yes. If well, he wins well, Rookie of the Year, then he's could be uh, top ten. And that's yeah. his floor. That's his. That, that's. I'm sorry. That's the ceiling. Ceiling, right? The ceiling is the roof in this case. The, oh, the ceiling is is top ten point guard by the end of the year for this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean the ce- where, where's the floor? The floor. What's, what's a bad season for Lonzo Ball? Twenty. A bad season. I you said eight. Where, where he is now? No, where he is now? About eighteen to twenty is a terrible season. I don't see Lonzo Ball being a. I don't see any of these rookies falling out of this tier. They can only like this is where they are. Right back to back to back with each other. And basically, it's this season. How well are you going to do, and how high are you going to go up? All These right. are all guys that can f- kind of climb when we get to next. But year. you know what's interesting about that what's is that? the order that they ended up in here. Mm-hmm. Backwards ass order. Lonzo Ball, who went two, went is is higher mm-hmm. than uh, Markel Fultz, who went one, and Dennis Smith is above Markel Fultz. And it's Smith about what went, team what, they're ninth? on, though. It's about what team they're on. Yeah, too. and I would say the team that has the best chance out of. All of these mm-hmm. teams are the Philadelphia 76ers, yet Markel Fultz is low, ranked Best lower. Best chance to win more games, yes. I know, but I'm just saying. I, I just find it peculiar. Yep. So why did you, because you also had Markel Fultz lower than uh, both Dennis Smith mm-hmm. and, and Lonzo Ball. Why w- was that your, your thought process uh, as well? For to me, take some heat off Ricky. Yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Throw it at me. Uh, Top 10, baby. For me, Markel Fultz, well, he, is, he was the number one pick overall. Mm-hmm. He's going to a team where he will have a smaller role than both of these other guys who got drafted. He'll like, be the third option instead of uh, Lonzo, who mm-hmm. I mean, will, will be the third? I, I think Lonzo is pretty much the number two and bordering on... Uh, so you have him above Brandon Ingram? Look, when and it comes... Brooke Lopez. Or, it's uh, pretty much Brooke Lopez and Lonzo will be playing pick and roll, pick and pop. But okay. the ball That's run, their entire game But play. the ball th- runs through Lonzo, But too. the ball runs through Lonzo. Lonzo's okay. the sole man for that offense. And when we look at the 76ers, we've mm-hmm. got Ben Simmons, who is point forward, mm-hmm. slash point guard, slash point whatever we want. And when he's on the bench, Marco Fultz will probably You have Marco Fultz, you have Dario, who will also take off for him. And, and you have Joel Embiid, who's just going to get the most amount of focus while on the court. But would you agree that saying that Markel Fultz would probably be the third option on the team? And actually, scoring-wise, I'd probably say no, second. No, JJ. Would you? So what, oh, what, would, when you're talking scoring options, when I'm talking where, where scoring, it's Joel Embiid, it's JJ Redick. So you're putting, a, you're putting JJ above Markel Fultz? For scoring? Scoring-wise. Yeah. You don't think Markel Fultz, with his ability to score inside and outside, I think, and his ability with his speed to drive to lane, is going to get he, he probably, overlooked by JJ Redick? He'll probably have more points per game. I just think that JJ will do it better because he's more efficient. So you think he, so? JJ will be more efficient. Yeah, I, I think JJ's I probably think... got fish with like sixteen points. Markel might have seventeen or eighteen. Okay, like that's probably my realistic expectation. But when I say scoring scoring option, yeah. like who are they going to go to? It's Joel Embiid. Okay, Joel like, Embiid, that, and then who's one. behind him? Are they going to go ja. to JJ? No, <laughs> who are they going to? <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. It's probably Fultz is probably three in my mind. Like I still think Ben Simmons is going to soak up the majority of ball handling mm-hmm. time. And the thing with Fultz is like we've only seen him play in a system where he is the only viable option. Mm-hmm. So now going to a team where he is surrounded by number one, number two, number three overall picks, like. That's a that's a pretty big change. So his ego is going to have to take a step, and then he has to figure out where he fits into the system because this isn't his system. This is Ben Simmons' system. This is for Joel Embiid. This is not for Markel Fultz to be the guy in. So that's my biggest thing is like him going in there. I don't I don't know how he would roll offensively. He'll have compared to Alonzo Ball where it is purely on him because he is per Magic Johnson the future of this franchise. So the thought process is that the fact that. Lonzo Ball and Dennis Smith Jr. 
are at least going to be the ball handlers. Their expectations exactly. are higher, so their that's why usage you will be higher. much higher than Mark Fultz. So that's just so the usage plays into a factor, and that's why Absolutely they'll be ranked higher. Well, Absolutely. And, I mean, how you look look at where they are just in overall. Lonzo, Dennis Smith, Fultz. It kind of goes into those the two tiers that we've kind of mentioned. Where the first tier is what you just said, because Ball and because Smith will have the ball in their hands more times than Markel Fultz will. That's where more of the and I'm using air quotes here for a point guard. But hype. The, the thing is, is is yes, the assist numbers might mm-hmm. not be there for Markel Fultz because he will not oh, be not talking, controlling the offense. I'm not talking assist numbers. I'm just saying like the ball is when the ball is in your hands. You can dictate whether it's you who scores, whether it's this guy who scores. You're the one that everything's running through. When Markel Fultz doesn't have the ball, it's going to be a lot of... He's going to have the ball when Ben Simmons isn't on the floor, but if they're on the floor at the same time, it's going to be a lot of, well, I don't have control over this. You have control, and I have to wait for you to pass me. But the Ben ball. Simmons is still a, a fantastic passer, this mm-hmm. is a fantastic playmaker. That's why he went number one overall. That's why he is the primary ball handler, at least mm-hmm. we're thought process, uh, we're thinking I, that he's going yeah. to be the primary ball handler, handler heading into the season but because he can get it to the, the other players. When you're the third scoring option, then on top of it, what Dave said, I don't ben think he's Sim- the third scoring option. Ben I think Simmons. he's the second scoring option, and if Embiid goes down, then he's the number one scoring okay, option. Ben, if, let's not let's if, not say things we can't I'm take just, back. I'm not. <laughs> goes down, everything changes. Dude has played 33 games in three years. But I, I know, I the, know. The other layer I was going to go with, out of the two that are the going to be the main ball handlers, who's got the more hype right now? And it's I, I think ball. Summer League definitely contributed yeah. to these rankings because we only got to watch a little bit of Markel Fultz, mm-hmm. and we got to watch Dennis Smith Jr. ball out. We got to watch Lonzo Well, Markel, eventually. So you're, Markel you're, you're Fultz saying fit that, in perfectly. You're saying, saying the fact that Lonzo Ball is 10 is because of, no, because of Summer No, that's League? Ricky being Ricky, man. That's, that, that's like his Lonzo own Ball, case. Rookie of the Year. I think, I think the point is... I'm going to start making shirts. Usage, <laughs> usage factors in Hamlet. LeVar's already got that. Yeah, he's already got that copyrighted. Um, anyways, I, I I disagree with you guys here. Mm-hmm. I just I just think that Markel Fultz, he's gonna be you know second scoring option behind Joel Embiid, and even Joel Embiid's gonna be able to you know he's not gonna have the ball every single time going up and down the court. I mean, like, Ben Simmons is still gonna sh- take shots, but these guys yeah. are still fantastic scorers in their own right. Markel Fultz is a great scorer. He can create on his own and he can work off ball. I mean, this kid is fantastic, and that's why he I went know. number one overall. Uh, okay. And yes, he's. And he, I'm he not might saying not the, he's not. He might not be bringing the ball up every single time, but I don't think that's going to affect him. Mm-hmm. Look at Malcolm Brogdon. We saw his efficiency in that role. Markel Fultz is a better scorer than Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's ranked 23 on this list, and that's and why Brogdon's the fourth option. Uh, when Jabari comes back, and I even think with Markel Fultz, you know, being probably the second option in my mind, I think that. Uh, you look at this, Chris Middleton, I think it's going to be, if we're comparing the Bucks here, Chris Middleton is going to be like the Markel Fultz, or J.J. Reddick's going to be the, like the Malcolm Brogdon, where they're going to go for to, to J.J. for the open shots. I mean, you look at that team, uh, when the Clippers, J.J. was the fourth option, because Chris mm-hmm. Paul was still above right. him, Blake was still above him, DeAndre was still above him. I think J.J.'s still going to be the guy that's going to be a spot-up shooter. He's going to be really efficient at that, but I still think Markel, with his natural scoring ability, he's still going to get his usage, and he's still going to be efficient, because those shots are going to be open. Because he's playing with Joel Embiid, because he's playing with JJ Redick, because he's playing with Ben Simmons. And here's the thing I like though yeah. about our top three. Before mm-hmm. you kind of go in, well, these three guys yeah. is I love that they're back to back to back. Well, that, because that the, was because we got lucky and no, I no, put no, no, Lonzo no. at 25. The thing I love about that though is that it kind of shows the hey, this is right now based on us three. This is where we rank these rookies. But yeah, they're in this middle tier after the season. 
Let's see where they go, mm-hmm. where they spread out with each we're, we're other. We're saying three guys haven't played a single minute mm-hmm. of NBA time are better than 10 players, Yeah, which well, is interesting. Well, I mean, and come I, on, any of the guys we talked about in segment one, would you say that these three aren't better than? And real quick, yeah, I'm, not, potential. I'm not comparing these two, but you guys know who's number one. Yep. Look at what that guy's uh, role became mm-hmm. and how he is still number one. Right. I, I just think that Markel Fultz, with his potential, no, with his scoring ability, it will still overcome... Lonzo and Dennis Smith. But honestly, I saw I, one last thing I want to make yeah. is you, you were trying to compare him to like the Bucks system, but honestly, it's he and Ben Simmons are Kyrie and LeBron James, lesser versions of. Like, mm-hmm. to be completely honest, I can see them running similar offensive schemes. I, I, they won't be because, of course, that's not Brent Brown's style, mm-hmm. but like that's exactly how I envision that relationship will work out. Yeah. The big difference being that they have, you know, Seven footer who's well, the most dominant player, and also court. Ben Simmons isn't the scorer like LeBron right. James is, right? So right. It, that's that's completely different as well too. Um, anyways, let's get away from the rookies here. Um, one guy that I think is very interesting, I don't think gets enough uh, gets enough credit to be honest with you, is Dennis Schroeder coming in at fifteen here. Um, I had Schroeder at twelve. I just look at Schroeder uh, again. Expectations plays into this uh, with Paul Millsap leaving. I think that a lot of the scoring front is going to fall on Schroeder, and I think he's going to rise to the occasion. You look at his splits last year, he's a phenomenal shooter, getting up closer for 40% from three. Um, I just think that his ability to create um, is also just not really focused on enough. I think Atlanta's going to take a little bit of a dip with Dwight and Paul Millsap. And leaving. Hardaway. Um, and, they, and Hardaway. They lost all of They did, yeah. and I think it's going to fall a lot on Schroeder, and I think it's going to either be a sink or sim season for him, but I think that Schroeder's ability, um, at least, you know, I don't know if the Hawks are going to be a playoff team, but I think that Schroeder's going to be the best player on that team, just because you look at what's around him, say there's he not much be. around him. It's either him or Kent Bazemore, and I'm hoping it's Schroeder because, yeah. I mean, Bazemore's Blazemore. okay. He's okay. He can develop. He's, but he's but this is clearly a team shot. rebuilding, so yeah. it's Schroeder's team to lead, and I, I agree with you. I think his usage goes up, but my question is, like, mm-hmm. has he made it out of the shadow of his predecessor? Is Jeff Teague still a better point guard than him? Well, In my mind, I still think so, but, like you said, the usage, mm-hmm. and, and him going to a Timberwolves team where you have a much smaller role kind of leads into that discussion, I think. Well, tell and, me if oh, real quick, tell me if I'm wrong, but does Jeff Teague remind like resemble like mayonnaise to you? Like he's just kind of there. Like Jeff Teague doesn't excite me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I thought you were saying like he looked like no, a jar no, no, of mayonnaise. No, something. no, no, no. <laughs> Jeff like, Teague just Teague just kind of he's just like, all right, that's Jeff Teague. Like Jeff Teague doesn't do anything like spectacular to me. Like you look at him and he's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you, you know, he put up 15 points per game, 7.8 assists. Four point re- uh, four rebounds a game too, but then again he's playing with Paul George, I think playing with be- Miles Turner. I think that's because he played for the ultimate. Um, I'm going to say mayonnaise state in Indiana. I mean Indiana last year was like, oh Indiana did that, all right, like whatever. Like that's I think why straight it up disrespect for that. Yeah, I mean I'm a Bulls Trash fan. What do you expect? The Next thing, week we're ranking all fifty states. The, the thing where it came Coming in for you, with Maryland. Uh, Hawaii, number one best vacation state. However, I've never, no, never been. However, the big state that our big Check stat out. that pushed out to me with Schroeder, yeah. and this is when it came in compared to Bledsoe, Teague, and um, Goran Dragic was the value added in the. I mean, I looked at the per, and then I looked at the value added, and when you look at Schroeder, I know you can say, "Well, Ricky, this could also be what team he's on." 192 compared to Bledsoe that's at 310, Goran who's at 324, and then you had Jeff Teague who's at 326. So those three players adding almost one-third more value. And just so people at home know, what's this value-added stat? The value-added stat is basically their estimated number of points a player adds to the team's total season above a replacement player. So that's, for instance, the 12th man on the roster. Mm -hmm. They are adding... 
a third more points than Dennis Schroeder is adding. And again, I think it just it comes into expectations because now Schroeder, you know, Jeff Teague mm-hmm. was third option on the on the Pacers last year. Mm-hmm. Um, was third option probably you know in in, in Atlanta yeah. too. I mean, even then, that's kind of iffy. He might have been fourth. Yep. Um, but looking at this, I think that Dennis Schroeder is might going to be able. He's again, like I said, sink or swim season. This is a guy who's 23 years old, still developing. I like the flashes that I saw. Yeah, he might jump up to a 20 point per game guy and maybe sit, sit around six six uh, assists per game. But I think he might be able to be more efficient. Um, you know, jump up to like maybe 47 percent for the field. Uh, and sorry, I misspoke. He wasn't he wasn't shooting around 39 percent uh, mm-hmm. from three. He was shooting around 34 percent. Right. That might take an uptick to like 36 percent because he's been always really, I mean, increasing um, his shot and, and and you know not only the the amount of threes he takes but also the percentage he's been hitting. So I think that Dennis Schroeder is a guy that we really got to look out for. I think that he's a guy that's super underrated uh, on our list, and that's why I had him at 12. Ends up at 15, not too far of a drop, but ultimately moved up four points from last year. Also, another stat that kind of played in why I had him a little lower than everyone was the true shooting percentage of 53%. Mm-hmm. It's just a little lower than the Bledsoe's, the Dragic, the yeah. even Drew Holiday, who I didn't mention. I'm, I'm just curious to see, shooting. like you said, with, with his empty, with his gutted rebuilding Hawks mm-hmm. team, like his usage is going to go through the roof. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if he puts up like 27 and six. I really do think he's going to be uh, stat stuffing a little bit, not a bad way, but yeah. like he's going to have to to compete in this league. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I Teague above him still, but I think Teague is going to have a much lesser role on that team now with Jimmy Butler, Cat Wiggins, and Taj. Like that's a team that he just needs to go in and, like you said, be the mayonnaise. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just kind of bring the sandwich together. You got the <laughs> meat, the, the meats in, in Carl Anthony Towns, the cheese of, of uh, Jimmy Butler. I don't know, maybe the, the mustard of, of of Andrew Wiggins. I don't know. I kinda, Tomato. I kind of wish the, the uh, cat's the bread, the meats Jimmy, the cheese is Wiggins, the mustard, adding a little spice to it is Taj Gibson. You got to put the uh, the mayonnaise and Jeff T. I kind of wish his name was Patty, like Patty Mills. So you could just say be the Patty Mayonnaise. Anyways, oh, uh, Doug one, reference for you. One guy that's a, a new uh, addition to this is Eric Bledsoe. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Knight was a starter last year, um, at least going into Thanks the season. Flip, flip-flopping. Yeah, yeah flip-flopping. so Eric Bledsoe, as, as you call him, Mini Bron. Bron Bron. Um, He's look baby Bron Bron. Looking at him, coming in at 12. Thoughts on Eric Bledsoe? What is he going to do with the Suns? Is he going to be able to justify this? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? If he's still on the Suns <laughs> to start the season, um, yeah, question Kyrie mark can throw a huge wrench into this if he gets yeah. traded. It, it could be interesting, but we're, we're going with the assumption that he will be on the Suns um, to start the season. Start the season, and I think I think should he stay healthy, he contributes across the board. He's I know I talk about him probably more than anybody else on this group, but like he's a player who can give you rebounds, assists. He gets in there defensively. He is a good scorer. He's got decent court vision. Mm-hmm. Like the thing for me with him is just like because now I'm expecting him to be like ready by prime. The rest of these guys in this team are so much younger, so he he needs to be the leader out there, and that's something where we haven't seen him do last year. Obviously, you know we got to watch um, a lot out of oh god the names get Tyler Eulis. Yeah, and like he looks so good, and that's what leads like a lot of questions in my mind. But like. Look, Bledsoe is is a solid contributor, and he he's above average for point guards. And point guards one of those loaded positions from mm-hmm. top to bottom. Like I think they go twenty deep to any point guard. Like toss me one of those, and I'm good. So I, I think, mean, yeah. honestly, when we're talking like sixteen up, I mean those are all quality players. Drew Holiday and up, I would say you know Schroeder. Teague, Hill, Bledsoe, Drogic, you can really flip those on any basis on really mm-hmm. what you're looking for 
in a player. Bledsoe's a guy that can be your number one option when you're rebuilding right. and still be a guy mm-hmm. that you know can be a top point guard in the league. I think and the he, thing I'm curious to see is how he how he works with Booker now that Booker's had that last month of time mm-hmm. to purely develop and be the mm-hmm. man on the team. So now we're re you know emerging with Bledsoe and Booker side by side as your backcourt. That's where I want to see how that relationship continues to grow. And adding Josh Jackson, seeing Chris develop, and also uh, your boy Bender. Dragon Bender. There were three guys here that I was like, I didn't know how to put them at 12, 13, or, uh, yeah, 12, 13, and 14. And that was uh, Goran Dragic, Jeff Teague, and then Eric Bledsoe. Because here's kind of like my mindset of it. Like, when you look at the stats, obviously Bledsoe, even just looking at it for Goran Dragic, he has better points, better assists, better rebounds. But then when I looked at the, yeah, he's got a better per than that, but the other two, true shooting is better, and the other two add more value. The value was like 310 for Bledsoe, 324 for Dragic, and then 326 for Teague. I know the thing with Teague is new team, and that's the one where I'm like, okay, maybe I could switch Teague and Bledsoe and put Bledsoe above Teague, where I had it where Teague is above. But to me, it comes where it's Dragic and Bledsoe. Those are the two where I'm like, I could switch it. Depending on the day, whether it's raining or sunny, I can put Bledsoe one, and then the next day I can put Dragic the other, and I can kind of flip them in and out. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with Dragic, too, I mean, once D-Wade left, I mean, he did have to take more of a scoring mm-hmm. uh, scoring brunt, uh, as they would say. And you look at you know his, his numbers kind of matched up more um, to 2013-2014 was with Plus the Suns. Plus that team went on a heat. They went on a heat streak. For I would say that's nice 30 pun. and 11 that Dion, that nice Dion pun there. Waiters. They went on a heat yeah, streak. A heat nice streak. One. Waiters County. <laughs> yeah, Waiters County. Um, I just, I ultimately, I think that Drogic, I mean, you look at Drogic, Teague, Hill, mm-hmm. Schroeder, Drew Holiday. I mean, they're guys that can really add to the team, but they're not in that level where they are MVP, yeah. all-star type caliber players. Mm-hmm. Which the guys that we'll get into when we get we hit uh, ten through one, but any of these guys, do you think they're underrated in any sort of the way when you look at this? Um, I, I know that Drogic might have a case because you know he he does have that scoring asset, or I'm sorry, the scoring upside. Um, you look at Bledsoe, obviously he's playing with the worst team. If he's traded to a different team like the Cavs, how much can he really affect the team? Are there any guys that you're looking at that are underrated um, in the, in this twenty through eleven? Maybe a little Jay Lynn, only because he plays for the Nuts. He also I had him a little lower, only because, yeah, he was injured, but also he plays for the Nets. So it's like, how how often do I see Jay Lynn stat stuff and on ESPN? No, you, got the, you don't focus on you the You got the Nets. number five biggest Nets fan in the yeah, in I mean, right yeah. here. Look, I'm just saying, when Jay Lynn... black and white today. When Jay Lynn healthy, the Nets looked pretty good, mm-hmm. and they were, they were clicking on a couple cylinders. I'm not saying they were a playoff team by any means, mm-hmm. but I'm saying they put together a respectable team and that were definitely not a top... or a bottom five team in the league, so... I like him. I'm just again, it's another injury, another concern, and I I'm just hitting that point where I don't know that he'll ever be healthy mm-hmm. for a full season. So, while he is a starter now, and we're assuming you know he's a starter, D-low to the two, mm-hmm. like that's a very fluid situation where I think throughout the year we might see some change there. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens because again, the Nets are still building up. You bring in Allen Crab, you have Karis Levert, you have Jeremy Lin, you have D'Angelo Russell. What's going to happen? Is Jalen going to go to the bench? Is D'Angelo going to move over to the point so guard? We've because seen he Jaylen, is naturally a point guard. Yeah, we've seen Jalen be an excellent six man too. So I mean, like, it's not a bad thing. I don't think. I think that connotation's kind of been taken away at this point, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not a, you're not a starter for us. You're just a six man. But like, he is 
absolutely phenomenal at being a six man and his effort during the playoffs uh two seasons ago mm-hmm. made a huge difference for them so honestly like uh, yeah it's maybe a slight at jeremy lynn i just think that like his future is in such question right now that i feel comfortable where he's at for me the guy is george hill because it's it's what do we expect out of him on a new team on a young kings team who i'm excited for him that as, that's the on one the where it's like i think he's got a lot of upside because he's never kind of been in that position before mm-hmm. but then again he's 31 years old yeah and you saw what he did last year with a good utah jazz team he was able to put up 16.9 points per game four assists per game three rebound uh three 3.4 rebounds per game but he was still very efficient that's the and thing that's that, what helped that's him. what i so love will his efficiency take a drop because he is on a worse team. He's not getting those open looks. He's not playing with Rudy Gobert, Gordon mm-hmm. Hayward, these guys. So do you think that playing with you know Buddy Heald, taking down a step, that's going to hurt He's him? He's saying Buddy Heald, Willie Colley-Stein, not equal to Gobert and uh, Hayward. <laughs> no. I don't even know what you're talking about. No, um, I, I think he. I think it's a great fit for him, to be honest with you. I think this is, we're going to see equal or better stats from him this year because unless they decide that they're going to like pull the plug and go full tank mode again and be like hey Darren Fox is getting your minutes yeah. because we said so like that's the only situation where i could see it but like i think being a 31 year old point guard and getting your chance to run this young team and be able to set the tone for them you have a fantastic head coach and now the organization's looking like they're you know turning the corner with a the ton of young talent so I think it's a perfect situation for him. And I think one thing, too, with George Hill, I think he might be a guy that might fall out in some ways, not maybe fall out completely of the uh, of the the, uh, the rankings next year. But because De'Aaron Fox is there, right. I don't know where he's going to be and if he's going to be here um, in Sacramento or if he's going to be a completely different place. So it's going to be interesting to see no, what happens fair. with George Hill. But, I mean, looking at all these guys, these are guys that are quality starters um, and then rookies that you know have a lot of hype to mm-hmm. them, have a lot of potential. Um, ultimately, it's going to be interesting to see because you have guys like Dennis Schroeder, who's you know completely taking over a team now with all the moves. You have Dennis Smith, Lonzo Ball, helping you know build up a team. You have Markel Fultz joining the process. Jeremy Lin being on a terrible Brooklyn team, but being a quality NBA player. If any of these players, looking at this list, who do you think is the most likely to get moved? out of these players, whether it's in Bledsoe for a Kyrie deal, Teague for a Kyrie deal, are there any guys that are for sure you think are going to be on the move and could help a different team that might be having a point guard like a, you know, a Reggie Jackson or something like that? I want to say Jeff Teague because of the, and this is only because of um, listening to um, the Herd today, he had Chris Mullenix on, and he was talking about how Chris Mannix. Mannix. Thank you. You, you. you combined Chris Mullen and yeah, Chris Mannix. I keep doing that with names, but Mannix, Mannix was on from the vertical, and he was saying how there's a possibility that Wiggins and Teague, they'd have to wait until December 15th, but that might be a better deal than the Bledsoe deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if I'm picking out of the two, I'd say Teague would be the one that would be moved and on a new team next year. I think, weirdly enough, I think the guy that might be moved is Goran Dragic. You tried to sell us on this last year before they won that heater. <laughs> I did. Now why? Now why? Now? No, Dave. They sell it again. Because Kyrie. But because Kyrie. Would but you, are you willing you to take get, Kyrie? Are, are you giving up Justice Winslow and Dragic? I, I mean, don't know exactly what the package is. I haven't well, that's out. that's the early rumor. Is it's a combo of those two guys. I and don't if, know. Are you ready to go find Winslow? And if they start tanking, if they start doing poorly, if they don't put it together, Dragic is a nice piece to be moved. <laughs> I like Dragic and Waiters backcourt. I like Whiteside. I think they've got what something Wade, going. What if Waiters, you know, starts eating Twinkies again? True. I mean, what, what if well, what if Hassan Whiteside? I gets say, injured? are we reuniting Kyrie and Waiters again? Because that worked out so great the first time. 
Hey, this is different Dion Waiters. It's changed. <laughs> I, I, I'm just throwing Goran Dragic. I don't want to be you know following the Eric Bledsoe train. All right. All Eric right. Bledsoe is probably the most re- recent, though, because, I mean, he is yeah, say Bled- Dragic, his Dragic and Winslow for Kyrie works out in the trade machine. I bet it does. It works out. Anyways. But let's move on now to the top 10 of these point guard rankings. Let's run through them. Kemba Walker coming in at 10. Mike Conley coming in at 9. Kyle Lowry coming in at 8. Damian Lillard coming in at 7. Coming in at 6 is Kyrie Irving. Coming in at 5, Isaiah Thomas. Coming in at 4, Chris Paul. Coming in at 3, John Wall. Coming in at 2, Russell Westbrook. And coming in at number 1, Steph Curry. So let's talk about the top real quick because Russell Westbrook, even though he won the MVP, is not the number 1 point guard. Dave, you put him at number 1. Make the case for him. I may have put him at number 1. Dave likes triple-doubles. The man <laughs> had the most triple doubles in a season he in did. NBA history. Something that hasn't been done. He outdid Oscar Robertson. But this isn't the about big o. this isn't about last season. This is going into this season. Uh, and and where do you judge last season? He he was that good last season with crap around him, and now you get Paul George in there. Go look at what the Warriors did in the finals. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Steph Curry was a big part of that. Steph Curry's good. He's really good. He's he is good. good. He's good at basketball. I'm just saying the argument is there because Russell Westbrook contributes more to his team than Steph Curry does. Everything that Steph Curry does. He was the team last year. Yeah, yeah. It, it might as well have been the Oklahoma but City. who would you rather have leading that team? Steph Curry. Who would you rather have? Who would do, you do you think Steph Curry's more successful on that team than Russell Westbrook? Because I'd argue against that. What do you mean? I, I think that if you literally picked up, removed Westbrook from that team... Put Steph Curry on that team. Steph Curry's never going to average a triple-double because he doesn't grab I don't board. even say Wait, are we triple-double. Put, are I'm we putting saying... Steph Curry on the Thunder or yeah, Westbrook on, on the Warriors? No, no, Thunder. Okay. Just, just him on the Thunder. I don't think he wins a championship, but I don't no. think do, he becomes Do you think they win garbage. as many games? Do you think that he puts up uh, close to a stat line? No. I would uh, say I would say you look at his 2015, 2016 season, 2014, 2015 season, and he's still the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I absolutely agree to that. I'm just saying Russell Westbrook's contributions to his team – are greater than what Steph Curry contributes to his team. That, in my mind, are we, in, are we talking about this pure values or just the in general? Because Curry's a great leader still. Yeah, yeah, he, he he's great. You Steph know, so, so great, are the other three all stars on the team. Yeah, Steph Curry, which means okay, his role but even he was able that, to get a contract. That. The contract that he just got. Yep. Don't see Russell Westbrook getting that money. He literally just got that money. Did he get more than Steph Curry? Uh, I don't know the official. I don't know the numbers. Which one? I just know they offered the Westbrook to Curry. Well, Steph got more because it was the Supermax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Russ didn't have the chance to sign the Supermax. Yeah. So I, I bet if Russ had the chance to sign the Supermax, he would have signed the fucking Supermax. <laughs> Come on. Um, and you would have signed him the Supermax because it's Russell Westbrook. Exactly. That's We're a, picking that's hairs here, but still, looking at Steph, you look at what he was able to do even before Kevin Durant mm-hmm. came. He was a two-time MVP. He's the best three-point shooter in the league. Uh, one of those MVPs was, you know, unanimous, too. You got you to gotta just add a little... One of them was unanimous. There you go. Russ's wasn't I knew, unanimous. I, I knew he was Russ's wasn't unanimous, and he averaged triple-double. Yep. You know who's actually the player in this top ten that I think needs to be the focal point? Is it Mike Conley? No, it's not Mike Conley, even uh, though he just stayed the same. Pretty sure it's, it's Mike Isaiah Conley. Thomas. Because I, he's the I was high, not expecting he, that. Well, he's the hot. You, <laughs> you look at last year's rankings this year, he, ri- he rises five spots to be our fifth overall player, and it's kind of a player I had him at three, However, if you've heard me talk about Isaiah Thomas, he's not going to win a championship. He's also not Boston the best player. Boston should probably trade him. He's the best player on his team. Because you're not going to win a championship with him on there. He's yeah. not even the best point guard in the East. But the type of play that we saw, like Dave said, how do you grade? He meant this season, but he said last season. Yeah. How do you grade this season? 
you have to go with last season. Yeah. And last season, Isaiah Thomas, yeah, I know he got hurt at the end and was out for most uh, for the rest of that Cleveland series, but he played phenomenal. I mean, look at Damian Lillard. He was a guy we were all high on last year. Yeah. Fell three spots this year. Yeah, he's still in the top ten, but he's not as high. Is Isaiah Thomas going to be that same kind of guy? Last season, now he rises. And then he falls again I mean, this year. I think he's probably going to fall a little bit, but then again, you mm-hmm. also have to look at how weak the East got. So I mean, that's going to yeah, gonna the play East lost a couple well. All Stars. Um, do I think he's going to be able to put up twenty eight points per game? No, he just or, or mm-hmm. twenty nine really. I mean, he averaged twenty eight point yeah. nine, so we'll round it up to twenty nine. But then again, Gordon Hayward came over, so that might take away you know scoring. Oh, it's going to take away scoring from Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah Thomas isn't that much of a playmaker. He isn't a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands. A lot of those points came off of. The uh, off of screens. I mean, he's going to have. I was the ball saying, in his it was clearly off of screens. He's like gonna, he he's dominated. Gonna, he, obviously, has the ball in his hands. Obviously, he brings the the ball up, but most of his scoring is made off of screens. Yes, he drives a little bit too. But I mean, you look at Isaiah Thomas. He's in a guy like a John Wall, Chris Paul. I mean, who Chris John Wall is now our players. third point guard. Well, and that's yeah. one thing you had Isaiah Thomas over John Wall. So why mm-hmm. was that? Well, for me, I looked at it, and for that, it was basically a Isaiah Thomas led his team to. The number one overall seed were John Wall and that team. Like it was kind of a the Celtics did better, so Isaiah Thomas's team gets better than John Wall. However, I will say I was wrong about John Wall heading into last year. I didn't think the Wizards were going to be a top four playoff team heading into last season. However, they were, and they did get to the playoffs, and they were in the top four. And that really, for me, the guy who I see got bumped in mind the most is the guy who we have at four, Chris Paul, because of Isaiah Thomas, because of John Wall, and me even having Kyrie one slot ahead of Chris Paul. Well, and looking at Chris Paul, too, I mean, you know, taking all the— Well, Dave, do you want to jump in on the, the Isaiah Thomas-John I mean, Wall thing? The, the one last thing for Isaiah Thomas, like, I, I, I agree John Wall is the better point guard. I think Sean and I are on the same page on that. But Isaiah Thomas, the thing that, like, even the stat line showed us was mm-hmm. his fourth-quarter impact. Like, for a guy who lives off of his pure quickness, beating people off the screens and getting to the hoop— and creating contact, yeah, I know he flops like crazy, but still, he gets the calls, and that's all that matters at the and end of the day. And he steps over the line taking foul and shots. And he also cheats on his foul shots. <laughs> Not enough disrespect possible. But, look, he his fourth quarter like was just magical every mm-hmm. single time because no matter what the score was, you're like, they got a shot, unless it was against Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I want to point out here, too, is is you look at this, I mean, we, we, we had a lot of differences. You had Russ over Steph. You had Isaiah Thomas over John mm-hmm. Wall. I had Kyrie over Isaiah Thomas. So, is it, it, I mean, we, we have obviously you know similar differences here. You look at Isaiah Thomas, I think he's going to take a, a dip mm-hmm. in his production, obviously because Gordon Hayward comes over. Right. But also, I just look at Kyrie Irving and then also the possibility of him being traded. And I still look at Kyrie as one of the most dangerous scorers, the one of the best ball handlers in the NBA, playing with LeBron James. I still think that Isaiah Thomas, or, I mean, Kyrie Irving is a better player. You also look at Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas defensively. He's not that great. But then again, when we're talking about all these guys, we're splitting hairs between yeah. these people. So, I mean, well, honestly, like, is there any clear, clear, like, you know, one over the other that you would look at and say, you know, this is where the, the, the talent really starts to separate in no, the top 10? No, like, and I think it's clear of, yes, like, one and two are clear, and I'm going to use air quotes because, yes, there are going to be the minority that say, you know what, I'm going to put Russell Westbrook above Steph Curry, yep. but I think the majority of people are going to go Steph Russ. Yeah, then after that, it's a crapshoot. Some people are going to like Isaiah Thomas. Some are going to like John Wall. Some will like Kyrie. Some will like Chris Paul. There might be some people that say, hey, I like Kyle Lowry 
more than any of those and might put him higher because of what he brought to and they're from his Toronto. Raptors team. Yeah, they're yeah. from Toronto. He's from the North. But No, they the, are. The Anyone thing, who would put him that high. The thing I wanted to kind of look at in that sense is if I look back to last year, last year I had, yet again, Steph and Russ. But who was my third? Kyrie Irving. Because yet, it might have been because they were coming off of the championship and mm-hmm. he hit the final shot in that. But I kind of feel like these trade talks or these trade rumors, trade demands have kind of hurt Kyrie in a sense of, yeah, you play with LeBron James, so of course you don't have to do everything. And a sense of if you put Kyrie on his own, let's say on a Phoenix, let's say mm-hmm. on a Sacramento, on a Brooklyn, is he going to be the third best point guard behind Steph and Russ? I if still you, think so. If you put him on Brooklyn, let's say Brooklyn because to me they are the lowest of the low in this league. Ouch. When it comes to talent wise, that's nothing against you. That's just being honest. I disagree. Is he a top th- is he the top third point guard behind Steph and Russ? Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's like I, I still have him bouncing between like six I think between six and three. And I don't think mm-hmm. that he can get above John in my mind, John Wall's there because he's a two way player. Yeah. John Wall gives you John Wall's also a better facilitator I'd than Kyrie Irving. Excellent facilitator, great mm-hmm. basketball IQ, lightning quick and just amazingly good court vision. Kyrie doesn't play defense. Like, he half-asses defense. That's, yeah. that's the best you'll get. It's it's better than Isaiah Thomas for a joke around, purely because he's taller. He has a longer <laughs> wingspan. He takes up more space. Like, that's our reasoning. That I mean, it's it's terrible to joke well, about. But. And, and one thing, too, I mean, you look at Kyrie and you look at John Wall and Damian Lillard, guys that aren't on really talented teams. I mean, obviously Bradley Beal's there, CJ McCollum's I... there. But you look at those teams, I mean, they're, they're the re- I mean. Ultimately, John Wall and Damian Lillard are the best players on those those teams, yep. mm-hmm. and it's not even close. Where you look at Chris Paul, he's got James Harden. You look at Kyrie Irving, he's got LeBron James. You look at Isaiah Thomas, he's got Gordon Hayward. You look at Russ, Russ obviously the complete you know outlier here. Uh, well, now you have now Paul George. Now he has Paul George. Now yeah, Paul George. George. And before that, you even had Kevin Durant. And then you look at Steph, he's Who's got that? 19 Hall of Famers on his team. So Who's that? <laughs> ultimately... <laughs> I just think that you know Kyrie would still be up there even if you put him on a Brooklyn, if you put mm-hmm. him on a, you know a floundering team like Phoenix or you know whoever you want to use as an example. Yeah. Um, I still think he'd be higher than you know Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, just because. Yeah, to me, that separation just kind of happens at like Kyle Lowry's level. Like I feel like I would say the Damian Lillard, Mike Connolly. That's where mm-hmm. you have that separation between the top ten, where those the guys below Damian Lillard, those guys are never going to be in conversation for MVP. They're just fantastic. I would agree with you there. Yeah, I think Dame is kind of the cutoff because he there's something special about him. Yeah, and we've watched it for the last couple of years. And yeah, I wish his team was healthier so that series would have been actually you know more, more enjoyable, more exciting. Well, here's the thing you brought. You mentioned how like oh well, Dame and John Wall are alike because it's Dame and CJ, but also you have John Wall and Bradley Beal. However, maybe it's just me. I look at it, and if you said who's the guy who is like they don't need the number two more than the other one. John Wall to me is the one where I can take Bradley Beal away and put someone else in, and it's someone else of like, okay, quality. It's not going to be Bradley Beal, but it's someone, and John Wall can still be John Wall. With Damian Lillard, I kind of feel like some of the trailblazers, it's like, man, would this team uh, be a little bit less wins? Would it be a little bit less off? 
if he didn't have CJ being the Robin next to him? I don't know about that. I, th- I think because, I mean, obviously we really don't know because CJ came in like right when LaMarcus left. So we really don't know mm-hmm. what, what he would do by his own or by himself because we've seen what John Wall was able to do without Bradley Beal mm-hmm. because we obviously saw that Bradley Beal's been injured like pretty much most of his career. But yeah, looking, yeah. At, looking at those two, I think that Dame is uh, clearly a better scorer than John Wall. So, you know, they're completely two different players in the sense that John Wall can do everything for you. Dame can put up 30 a night and, and, and consistently yeah. do that. So I think they're different players where Dame doesn't need that Robin next to him, mm-hmm. where if you put a you know phenomenal Robin next to John Wall, that's when John just Wall makes it even better. ascends to mm-hmm. the next level. Yeah. So I think that's why you also see John Wall higher than Dame right now, because that's why John Wall took up three spots, Dame fell three spots, was because you saw the addition of Bradley Beal, what that added to John a Wall. A healthy Bradley Beal. I say yeah. healthy Bradley Beal, the growth of Otto Porter, mm-hmm. and, and consistency of... Their their starting unit was one of the best in the league. Their bench was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, John Wall's impact when he's off the floor, his, the plus minus is ridiculous to look at. So mm-hmm. again, it, it's his impact across the whole team, and I think that's kind of one of those interesting things to look at because you know we we talked about before Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan, kind of that pairing because it seems like a lot of these guards have excellent backcourts together, mm-hmm. and we got to watch the Raptors, you know, first without Lowry, then without uh, Derozan. And kind of see, like, you know, how does this play out if one or the other is missing? And, like, the argument was there still. is as efficient, as good of a shooter as DeMar was. Like, Lowry's still more valuable to the team in a lot of people's minds. So I, I think the problem with him is his age and, like, their window. And mm-hmm. that that's where it just kind of sucks for Lowry because, like, I think he's a good player. He's a weird aberration in the NBA. He got better, you know, past 25, mm-hmm. which normally we see players usually, you know, the, the prime area mm-hmm. is 25 to 27. We see them kind of hit, this is where I'm topping out at. And, like, he just kept getting better after that. So it's amazing what he's done. But now the concern is, like, I don't know that he's got anything left because he's he's hit post-prime almost in my mind. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, I mean, like, how, how this all plays out. Because then again, you know, we look at John Wall. What's going to happen if Bradley Beal goes down? What's going to happen with Chris Paul? You know, playing now next to uh, James Harden. That one I think is most interesting because, I mean, you went from me who was I was I was fighting for James Harden to be the point guard, the number one point guard mm-hmm. last year I mm-hmm. think, and, and this year it's like okay now we've got Chris Paul there who obviously we know what he was able to do with a big and DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin working mm-hmm. with them too. So him now being in the Mike D'Antoni offense, I think like. He's got a huge smile on his face. Like it's gonna be perfect for him. So, do you think that Chris Paul can actually take a jump up? Because he fell down one spot. I think he benefits from it, but I I don't know. Like the the problem there is just I don't know how much the the points will matter because it is D'Antoni offense. I do expect them to again put up like 115 a night, 120. Like well, I don't know if that almost waters let, down the case. Let's be honest. Chris Paul fell this year because of me and Dave. Last yeah. year, how we had it was you guys had him at three, I had him at four. Yep. This year, Sean kept him at three. Dave, you actually put him at four. I bumped him down to six, mainly Ooh. because of, in mine, how he got bumped down to six was Isaiah and John Wall jumped up to three, four. So, obviously, you're going to fall from your spot why do you take, when two guys bump in. Why do you take Kyrie over Chris Paul? That was the one where it was, to me— Back to back, and with Chris Paul and Kyrie, yes, Chris Paul is better defensively than Kyrie by a mile. But if you told me, Ricky, you got to pick one of these point guards, kind of like the situation you said, 
You've got same situation, same team for each one. Who do you want your point guard to be? I want Kyrie Irving because if I want, you know what, games on the line and I need a final shot, I'd go with Kyrie over Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, slightly. He, he's got it. He's proven it. And he, I mean, Chris Paul hit a big shot once. Chris yeah, Paul, that's why I, I said mean, slightly. But, but, also, but what, what round does Chris Paul get stuck on? The second round. Yeah. But is that his fault or is that the fact that Blake Griffin is, is a walking injury? <laughs> Same with DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> and Chris mean, Paul also gets team. banged up. Look, I, I love Chris Paul. I will just say, though, the, I've been saying the same shit over, mm. and I know you guys are sick of it, but 20 20 0. 20 points, 20 assists, zero turnovers. Why do you take that's John insane. Wall over Chris Paul? Because I put Chris Paul three. You put John Wall above Chris Paul. I think that John Wall has he's another. Younger. Well, you it, also say it's, that. it's the age thing. Is it, is it because it feels like the easy flashy? way out? But I think no. I don't even want to say flashy. I think it's I mean, the Kyrie, way he works with his team. Because Kyrie and John Wall would be to me more flashy than Chris Paul. I, I think for me, it's the way he works within his team because I don't know how Chris Paul is going to work with Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, on paper, this should work perfectly. He gets to be a spot up three point shooter, an excellent facilitator. And like this is all about just chucking up threes all day and working with your big man on high efficiency shots mm-hmm. down low. On paper, it works. I'm a little bit afraid of that. I'm curious to see how the James Harden experiment bouncing from point guard back not. Are they going to split time with the ball in their hands? That's where I have a question. Like it's nothing against Chris Paul. It's more of fit on his team. John Wall staying again. Like I said, one of the best starting units in the league, and nothing's changing. They're keeping everything. They're just going to continue to get better. Bradley Beal, one of the most efficient twos in the game. And I think John Wall can still continue to get better. Like, mm-hmm. It's crazy to say, but I'm like, he's not done growing. Yeah, and, and let's get a, a little bit out of the, the top seven because I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Again, like we said, we're nitpicking. Yeah, with I mean, this top again, seven. these are these are hairs, you yeah. know? And, and, and let's jump into uh, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, and Kevin Walker because we haven't given him any love at all. Mike mm-hmm. Conley probably is the most underrated Mike player, Conley. I'd say. Like, out he's of a this pretty group. good player, I think. That's uh, that's an accurate description. He's, he's a good player. He's pretty good. I mean, you look at what he does in the playoffs, you look at what he did last year. He's a guy that puts up 20 a night, and he's also able to put together great teams is able to bring his team together and he's a guy that is not going to hurt your team in any facet of the uh, you know facet of the court he's a guy that's going to be able to score inside he's going to be a guy that scores from the outside he's an efficient free throw shooter he's a gr- good defender he's going to be able to create first team i mean i, you know I, what I, I find like funny he does with, everything what you know what i find funny with him though what? last year coming into 2016 we all had him at 9 now he stays the same this year we all what, had him at 9 but we didn't. You had him at eight. I kept him at nine. Dave bumped him down to ten. But he stayed at nine. He stayed at nine. But you guys went, Mr. Consistency, nah, up and, up, and I went right in the same. Why'd you put Kemba Walker over him? I I think Kemba is more of a like. I just like the way Kemba plays. His play style statistically might not be better than Mike Conley, but I think what he gives to his Conley's team. on a better team. You could also yeah. take that in effect as well. But I mean, no, Kemba I think do more. Con- Conley's the guy I never see him being able to take a game over. Yeah. Like, Kemba Walker is someone who, that's his thing. Like, he can take it to that extra gear. He has that, I want to say star power. I really do. Because in my mind, like, Mike Conley's not a star. It's nothing against him. Mm-hmm. He's just a He's very good player. Memphis. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one downside to Kemba and uh, Conley is that they're playing in Charlotte and Memphis. Those yeah. are media powerhouses there. No, no, absolutely true. But I think Kemba has the star quality. He has star power, and he has that star potential in his game to just absolutely take over games, become a dominant force. And, and I don't see that in Mike Conley. I think that, he, like you said, there's no negative to Mike Conley. He just doesn't have that extra it factor to his game 
that makes him better than other players. Like like you said, he's mm-hmm. never going to win an MVP. He's never going to compete for one. Is he ever going to take his team deep in the playoffs because it's on his shoulders? No. Mm. But I could see Kemba Walker doing that. I can see Kemba being that guy who wills his team to victories. But he needs a better team around him. I yeah, I have no argument there. Him. Yeah. Um, and then looking at, at a guy like Kyle Lowry, a guy that has a decent team around him, a team in Toronto that's been consistently making the playoffs. Obviously, Kyle Lowry's been hurt, but he had one of his better years, best years this year, but he didn't really take a jump up, actually fell down one spot. Is there anything with Kyle Lowry that you want to see this year that is going to put him up higher and, and probably put him into that Damian Lowry category, or do you think he's never going to take that because he doesn't have that flashiness to him? I think it's not, in that question, it's not what I want to see from Kyle Lowry, it's what I want to see from the Raptors overall. Because they were a team two years ago where, like, man, they're trying to complete, compete with the Cavaliers, and now it seems like that has shifted from the Raptors to the Celtics being that team that is going to compete, will be the one that people are like, man, if anyone's going to knock off the Cavs, I guess this is our best spot. So with me, I don't look at Kyle Lowry individually. I look more at that entire team, and I want to see more from the entire Raptor squad than just Kyle Lowry. I mean, outside of DeMar DeRozan, there isn't really one. I mean, you have Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. you yeah. have, uh, you have um, uh, Jonas Valachunas, you have... Uh, that man gets disrespected all day. Yeah, I, but he's not that good, though. <laughs> I know, I just think it's funny. He's always like scapegoat. Um, no, I, I, he's OG? 31. Yeah, Dude, that's, that's, I think 31. that's the biggest thing. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at these point guards, the, he's, I think, it, Chris Paul's the oldest, but then it's down to him, so... Chris Paul's a transcendent player. Chris Paul was like the point guard. When you when you ask for a definition of point guard, you could just point to a picture of Chris Paul and be like that guy. Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy. And, and again, Kyle Lowry started late in his career mm-hmm. uh, when he hit his prime. So yeah, at thirty one, he's still playing at an excellent level. But like, there's no extra gear for him. He is, and that's fine. The problem is, like Ricky said, like he's not going to compete for a championship. And we asked this, not right now. We asked this question with with the other ones. Who is most likely to fall out? Would it be Kyle Lowry because of his age? I think so. The only other guy who could fall out is possibly Mike Conley. I'd say Kemba Walker. Why is that? Because of the team around Basically him? Basically because of, yeah, I get the whole player that he's been where, like Dave said, he could put a team on his back. But if he doesn't have that team to put on his back, I could see somebody, maybe... Even one of the rookies, one of the rookies, even someone from the just next just tell us which rookie, which, which rookie would you put? In. Either Dennis Smith or Ball or even False. I mean, all three of them. You did could have potentially Ball be at ten already. 10. You had Ball higher than Walker. I mean, he's the one that out of the three, I would say that's your best bet at being a top ten player at the end of this year. But I could see any of those rookies jumping if Bledsoe has a phenomenal year, if Dragic has a phenomenal year. I would look at Kemba being the one where you're on the cusp, and he might fall to 11, but that's still falling out. Yeah, I think one thing I think the guy that's going to take the biggest or can take the biggest jump is Kemba Walker. I just disagree with you completely. Mm-hmm. I think that he can take that jump. Um, even oh, you he know, can go I, either I, way. I don't he know how jump or fall. I don't know how how much Dwight Howard's going to help him, but I think that still he can, he can be helped. Um, I think that he's still going to be able to really push himself forward. Um, I think the guy that, you know, Kyle Lowry, I think he, he can definitely fall out. Also, Isaiah Thomas. I look mm-hmm. at Isaiah Thomas, and I don't know exactly what his role is going to be and how he's going to really thrive in the Celtics role. And and I, I don't think it's anything against Isaiah Thomas. And this his last year on the Celtics, too. Yeah, I don't think it's any well, for on his contract. We don't know if yeah. Yeah, he's going to bring him Kyrie. back or not. They no. trade him. We don't know what's going to happen. Trade him. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but with Isaiah Thomas, he is getting older. 
and his game, maybe they find a way to stop him. I'm not saying Isaiah Thomas will, but I'm just saying I just want to throw another guy out there, um, mm-hmm. and I'll throw Isaiah Thomas out there. Because you look at Kyrie, he's still young. Dame's still young. Is there any chance anybody Chris- gets into the top two discussion, though? Like, do you top feel two? like No. Yeah, do you feel like John that's— Do you think John Wall can jump up on the same level of Brody and, and Steph Curry? I think so. I, I, think, I think I, I think I, John— I think I don't think he's athletic as athletic as Russell Westbrook, but he's more tame than Russ. And he's I think so that he can, quick too. He, I think I think that John Wall can be a guy that can really hone his game and and really limit the turnovers, limit everything else, make and his team better. He's phenomenal. Yeah, too. make his team better, be great defensively, and he can overtake Russ. I don't think he's ever going to put up thirty two like Russ he, did, average a triple double like Russ did, but I don't think Russ is doing that this year. I think because the numbers fall. If anything, it might be a case where next year, instead of Steph and Westbrook, it might be at the best case for Wall. It might be Steph or Wall. I mean, the biggest the biggest gap between all of our numbers mm-hmm. here is is the two to three. Because mm-hmm. yep. right now, uh, uh, Russ has eighty eight points. John Wall has eighty two. Six point difference there. And then besides well, that, it's a three. Had, it's a three point difference. Steph and Russ either one or two. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like I'm, I'm saying, mm-hmm. like the, the 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 determination between yeah. like three through seven. That's tougher than what we thought yeah. one through two, mm-hmm. and we both had Russ and Steph. I'm just saying, if anyone yeah. can, it's John Wall because of his athletic ability. Um, obviously, it's not up to the same level as Russ, mm-hmm. but I think that he does have probably the most athleticism out of all of these guys You know, uh, in the top ten. Um, and, and you look at John Wall, I just think that he, he does have that characteristic to become that guy to, to, to overtake it. I think we saw it this year, um, playing with a healthy Bradley Beal. Seeing the improvement of Otto Porter, I think that he can be a guy that that could take that jump if anyone's going to take that jump. So, any other guys we want to mention in the top ten? No, not really. All right, I think well, we hit them all. It looks like it's going to wrap it up. Mike Conley is uh, is is a mystery, Mister Consistency. Uh, Mister Consistency, staying. He's a pretty good nine. player. He's a pretty good player. Uh, we also talked about Mayonnaise, Jeff Teague, and we talked about uh, our favorite player in, in Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, we named a fucking award after him. Yep. Uh, so there are a lot of guys uh, that we talked about. Tell us your rankings down in the comments below. If you want to do 1 through 10, do 1 through 10. If you want to do 1 through 20, do 1 through 20. If you want to do 1 through 30, do 1 through 30. We're not expecting anything, uh, but definitely. <laughs> but if you do, you're the real MVP. You are the real MVP, so definitely leave your comments down in the comments section below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on Block Talk Radio, thank you so much for the download. Thank you for listening to us on there. Anyways, boys, we will see you next week. Boys and girls and children of all ages. We'll see you next week. <laughs> for Dave Oster, for Ricky Weber, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.